Hey fellow romance readers, I'm Amy. And I'm Sarah, and this is Post Book Depression. You know that feeling you get when you finish a good book that you didn't want to end? Have you finished a book and just weren't ready to move on from the story and its beloved characters? You find yourself needing just a little more? Well, this multi-trope romance podcast gives you the opportunity to dig deeper with us into books we love as we discuss all the reasons we can't move on. Feeling chatty? You can continue the conversation with us on Instagram at Post Book Depression Podcast or on Facebook in our Post Book Depression discussion group. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and take a brief moment to leave a review. Are you ready? Let's discuss. Hey, listeners, welcome to the show. Amy, this is episode two. We are super excited. So today we are going to discuss Book Lovers by Emily Henry. The first few minutes, we're going to do a brief review of the story without any spoilers. And then we're going to shift into a deeper book discussion, which will include some spoilers. But we will let you know before we start the discussion portion. Book Lovers is a rom-com about an ambitious book agent, Nora Stevens, who has the reputation for being a shark in her profession and a brooding book editor, Charlie Lastra. When Nora and Charlie both end up in a small town of Sunshine Falls, North Carolina, they discover that it's okay to not be the typical heroine and hero of every romance story. Emily Henry delivers a delightful rom-com that proves that just maybe you can have it all in life and in love. Amy, what did you think about this book? This was a great story. It lived up to its name, Book Lovers. I really, really was drawn to the fact that there were so many quirks and Easter eggs for book lovers. Lots of little nods to things that we like or that we notice and different tropes that happen with the story. And the two main lead characters had so much chemistry, lots of quick wit. It was such a great story. Yeah, I loved it too. It was so perfect. I love everything that Emily Henry has put out. And this one just delivered it hit every single box that I want out of a rom-com read. It was so funny. It had some just really great moments that we'll dig into in a little bit. So the humor was great. The humor was so good. It was so good. Let's dig into some of the ratings that we do. So tell me how many gritting teeth angst emojis. I gave it a 1.75. Okay. It wasn't super angsty for me. There were some moments, but It did not feel very nerve-wracking throughout. There was a couple of things, but you know it's going to end well. I also gave it 1.75. What? So we were the same on that. There wasn't a lot of stress reading this book, which... I was thankful for. For oh, a rom-com, too. I would expect yeah. not very much angst. So I also gave it 1.75. How about humor? How I, many laughing emojis? I gave it a 3.25. We're the same. What? Second one. We're right on track We are here. never on the same <laughs> this much. That's crazy. There were so many delightful laugh out loud moments. And I found myself taking screen captures of funny quotes and just the quick wit and that just back and forth banter of the chemistry that I talked about for the two lead characters. So funny. It was so funny. All right, spassiness. 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 I gave it a two. Me too. Oh my (laughs) gosh, Sarah, what is happening? I don't know. We're on the same wavelength today. We are. That's crazy because we never rate them the same ever. Not this many. So there were a couple of spicy scenes, Mm -hmm. but out of all of the spicy options and books that we've read, I didn't feel like it was the most spiciest. It was not the most spiciest, but man, it has tension throughout. Like you think... The sexual tension? Yes. You think it's going to be 
super intense. But then when you have the moments, they're so well done. They're tastefully done. Yes. That it it's just... I really loved the way she wrote the scenes because they were just delicious. It I was agree. so good. I agree. All right, tears. If we're the same on this one. If we are the same on this one, it'll be crazy. Okay, tears. I gave it a 1.75. You were above me. I gave it one. What? Yeah, I wasn't. I mean, it wasn't. I'm I crying. didn't like actually cry. No, I didn't even tear up. But my heart hurt. Mm-hmm. So there were some moments that I felt just sad. There were definitely some saddened moments in the story, but I think compared to other books that I've read I didn't feel as heavy as I had on some previous to this one and that's why I gave it a one out of five okay overall I gave it a 4.5 okay I gave it 4.25 so we were very close on that okay this was such a great story it was such a great story it was so good I enjoyed it so much me too, and I, I'm very excited to dig into this discussion Me ahead. too. That concludes the spoiler-free quick review of this story. Now we are going to shift into the deeper discussion portion, which will include spoilers. So if you haven't read this story, go check it out and come back and listen to our discussion and then let us know your thoughts on the story on our Instagram post-book depression podcast or on Facebook in our post-book depression discussion group. Book Lovers is such a great story, and there are so many little Easter eggs and fun things for book lovers in this story. Let's dig into the discussion, Let's Sarah. Let's dig in. So where should we start? Should we start with Nora and her character? Yeah. She's the, she is the focal point She the is the focal point. Let's talk about her. Let's talk about her character and her personality, her type A control freak lover of lists yes. personality. She's intense. She's so intense. And I feel like I'm a lot like her. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Other than her lack of love for the outdoors. I was going to say, other than the lack of outdoors, because you love the outdoors. And I I texted you when we were reading it, and I said, I don't know how I feel about this girl. (laughs) I don't know. I'm like, she doesn't like the outdoors. Who doesn't like the outdoors? I mean. Yes, I... But I love, love her. the outdoors. I love her. <laughs> and I found myself relating to her character so much in this story. Okay. Oh, I don't know what that says about me. In what ways? Let's talk about Nora. Okay. Her type A personality, for sure. Mm-hmm. I am a type A personality to the T. I love the organization. I love having plans. I like to have control over things. I am not so much one to try and fix everyone's problems like she did. Mm-hmm. But she's very work-driven. I'm very work-driven. Not to the extreme that she is, but sometimes I think family and friends view me that way because I don't have kids and work takes up a lot of my time. There were a lot of things about her that I definitely found, saw myself in her. Yeah. I could see that on some some levels. I can see that. I'm, I'm trying to wrap my brain around some of the things of how she describes herself because I think... No, I don't see you as that. But the organization and the list and stuff, you brought up a very key thing that she's very work-driven. Yes. Okay. I want to kind of discuss this part of her character because the book starts out with her getting dumped and the guy is basically telling her, I don't even know that you can feel she's so focused on work. All these things. I found that very interesting because 
she discusses or she explains how she loves her job. She's very ambitious. And I want to talk about how that kind of impacts her character and compare it to that of how women like her are viewed in real life. Let's do it. Okay. Nora kind of has this reputation, like we've already said. She's known for being a shark. She doesn't realize that that's how people are describing her, but that's how she's described. She constantly works. She never turns her phone off. She has it on all the time. I kind of felt bad for her that people viewed that as a negative thing. Did you, did you feel a little bit bad for her? Because yes. yes, I did. So I feel like part of that is the way society is today in expecting 24-7 availability with our technology at our fingertips and available for us to be able to see and respond at a moment's notice. I kind, I kind of think that that's the expectation just across the board mm-hmm. with corporate America in general. And I think with her, there are a lot of professions, writers being one of those, that they don't have traditional work hours. And so having their agent or their editor being available around the clock, I can see where there would be that expectation. But it's not fair. Yeah, it's not fair. I felt as the story went on, I felt very bad for Nora because I realized how many women like her feel like they have to apologize for loving what they do. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the point that she was trying to get across to Libby later on, way, way later on towards the end of the book, that she loves her job and she loves what she does. And I love so much that Charlie's character tells her, hey, it is okay to be really good at what you do. Right. To love what you do. And you don't have to apologize for that. Because my whole thought was, it's not that she's not there for her family. She's very much there. I mean, she had missed some things, but I felt like she was a really good sister. She wanted to take care of her sister. On the contrary, I feel like Libby was very pointed in making sure she shut off her work life at five o'clock once they got to Sunshine Falls. Yeah. And I think those boundaries sometimes spill over. And it's hard. It's a gray area. So I feel like without Libby bringing that to her, because there were times in the the book where she's answering calls and doing things after five and Libby's there to kind of direct those boundaries. Having a work-life balance is hard Mm -hmm. and she loves what she does. So she wants to be available to her clients. But I also feel she even described some of her clients as being very needy. So I wonder if she didn't have a newer client that needed that hand-holding, if she would carry so much of her work life into her evenings and her in her personal time as well. You mm. don't you don't agree with me. I feel like Nora just her A-type personality. I think that she would have regardless. That's just who she is. I think that's why I hurt so much for her at points. Like I felt bad for her because why should women apologize for loving what they do? If I it's not impacting if it's not impacting their family life or their personal life. And maybe in some respects it was affecting like her love life. Mm-hmm. So okay, I kind of get on board for that. I don't know. But you can I find just... someone that has those same work-life balances. Like, obviously, well, she does in this yeah. story. I think it's different for every person, and those boundaries are going to be different for every person. And I, I feel like she and Charlie together had that good work-life balance, and they were aware of that and okay with the fact that each other was working. 
Yeah. I really enjoyed the different take that Emily Henry did with this of it not being a typical trope. Like oh, a me romance too. trope. Me I too. love also that she kind of addresses that. I love that she makes fun of all those different tropes. And I do so too. those are like the Easter eggs that I yes. mentioned. Those are the fun quirks of this story. And there are so many delicious ones in here. I have to tell you, when I was reading this, and there was a scene in there that talked about how the guy smells like evergreens and impending rain. And I immediately thought of an author that I follow on TikTok. Her name is Stacy McGeewan. And she, her whole TikTok is about basically turning her husband into a romance hero. <laughs> she makes these funny TikToks about making fun of things that are expected in romance books like why don't you smell like evergreen and <laughs> and pine trees oh my goodness that's hysterical it's so entertaining and I immediately thought of her when I was reading this book because there are so many just delicious little easter eggs is what I called them in this story for people like us who love to read books so I was a little taken back when I started reading this not just because of Nora's very strong a-type personality but when she describes it Basically, she would be the villain in this romance. Yes. So if this was a romance story, she would be the one that gets left behind. Mm-hmm. So that was a little bit why I kind of struggled with, do I like her? Do I not? And then, you know, when you find out she's a workaholic, because instantly I thought, mm, I don't know about that. Hard to connect to that Hard character. to connect. But like I was saying, as it goes on, I found myself feeling very sympathetic towards her, you know, like I was saying, because she does work a lot. Well, why should she apologize? She's really good with her her job. So once you get to know her, anyway, I loved all the different ways that Emily took this and very in your face. Little nods to the people that read books and yes. know the cliches yes. of her rom-com. So many cliches and it was so funny. So we're talking about some of the quirks of the story. Let's zone in on some of those, specifically their reading styles. Okay, yeah, let's discuss that. That was fun. So Libby doesn't read book blurbs. She goes into her stories blind, uh-huh. which you do right a lot. here. Yes, Me. you do. All the time. I don't. I have to read the blurb. I want to know what the story is about. You are on Libby's side. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i not quite on Nora's side because also hand in hand, Nora flips to the end of the story. So you... That's me too. I know. <laughs> You're both of these people. I'm Libby and Nora together. So yes. Sarah will... And it stresses me out. She doesn't mind spoilers. Like I cannot... I despise spoilers. She will go to the... If, if there's some angst in a story... Sarah will flip to the end of the story to make sure that the hero and the heroine have a happily ever after. And that drives me bonkers. It drives you crazy. (laughs) And there are times when we will read a book together and I won't tell you that I've done it. Sarah, I'm so upset with you right now for saying that. I know that you'll get upset with me. So I try to keep it secret. But I just like, I don't read. Okay. Huh. Back up, everybody. Everybody, calm down. I can't. Listeners, calm down. Okay, if you are not like this, chillax. But I get Nora, okay? I don't read the last page anymore, okay? Explain. I did for years. I would, every time I read a book, I would read the last page. I had to. Oh, my god. I don't, it's a sickness, okay? It is a sickness. Hey, listeners out there that you understand me, 
I want you to get on Instagram and Facebook right now and you just like shout out to me, okay? Because Amy is like, I can't. She can't handle it. I can't it handle her. it. You should see her face right now, you guys. <laughs> She's so stressed just talking about it. But now, if it, oh, I've gotten so much better, guys. If I get a little stressed, I just kind of flick through to a little towards the end. Is it going to end well? Maybe the first page of the epilogue. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't so, even with you right so now. So it's like, I have to because if it's super angsty, but I didn't with this one. This is a rom-com. I wouldn't expect uh, you to in well, this one. Okay. On that same note, Charlie, he doesn't finish a book necessarily if he doesn't want it to end. He hates the feeling of something ending, which also is foreshadowing for this story, by the way. Yes. Let's talk about you versus me on this as well. So we both feel like if a story is about to end and we don't want it to end, we have basically the feelings that Nora has. She says, I want to finish it and I need it to go on forever. Yeah. You want to hurry up and get finished to know how it resolves, but you don't want it, you're not ready to say goodbye. You mm -hmm. want it to go on forever. And I related to Nora so much in this moment, and I knew that you would too, because mm -hmm. we've had these conversations about books that we love, and series especially. He says that there are last chapters of books in series that he, Charlie, has never read, and that stresses me out to the max. I am so stressed for him. Anybody who does that, if you're out there and that is you and you're like Charlie, please let us know. How do you get Be resolution? I could not do that. I was so unbelievably uncomfortable when, when he said that. I thought, are you insane? Me too. You can't do that. Not saying, listeners, that if you do that, you are insane for doing that. But I do want to know. If you do that, please tell us because... I want to know how you find how? resolution. How you move on. From a story that has impacted you so greatly, how do you find closure? I do understand his reasoning for not wanting to. Oh, for sure. Like, I can 100% get behind that, but I would never do that. That just no. cannot happen. Especially in a series, there comes a point in a series where, especially if it's, I don't know, a crazy series that has more than six or seven books or something, and it's just been going on for years and years and years, and you are really just ready for it to be over, but you have to know how it finishes. Yeah. There have been many stories that I just was not connecting with, but I had to see it through. I had to know how it resolved, even though I hated it from start to finish. Mm -hmm. I finished it because I needed to know. I agree 100%. Let's spend some time talking about Nora and Charlie's chemistry. Yeah. It was amazing, wasn't it? They have the best chemistry. Oh my goodness. Their text messages, their conversations, everything. That pool I... table scene. Woo! I'm telling you, I, I was so in love with him from the get-go. I was so frustrated that two years had passed because I thought, you guys could have been together this entire time. Right? And you just the building of the chemistry between them. I enjoyed how it started out with the emails and then went over to text messages. And mm. then even when they were together, he has so much quick wit. I loved that he just did not miss a beat when she would say something. You know me. I'm a sucker for wit. Oh, for sure. My husband is very funny. He's very witty. So when I read a novel and the hero of the story has wit, I am instantly sucked in. Sarah's I'm sold. In I'm in I'm in love. This is my new book boyfriend, obsessed with him. And Charlie, 
had the best wit. He just, these little comebacks and everything. It was so great. They just had the best chemistry. So one of my favorite examples of his quick wit was when Nora and Charlie were talking about her being hung up on the pig farmer and... She's talking about how Libby won't be satisfied with her dating anyone but a widowed single father who rejected a country music career to run a bed and breakfast. And he quickly says, so you've met Randy. I loved that so much. It was so funny. He just had all these great moments where he would do something or say something just brilliant right back instantly. And I love characters like him. I do too. And I even love when they were editing frigid together and even though they were in separate rooms they still had that banter over email even though they had already kind of started liking each other going on a couple of dates they still had that original banter there was a funny scene and I can't even remember what she was saying but she emailed him something and she could hear him chuckling in the other room like laughing at what she had sent to him it's so good they had incredible chemistry and I love when he would walk her home and that scene where they had to take that shortcut. She, He said, that's a shortcut to the cottage. Oh, yes. And they go in and she says, are you scared of the dark? <laughs> and then they get into that, like, what was it? A hot spring like or pool pool thing. Oh, body of water. Good scene. That was a great scene. They have, talk about spicy. That's when the spice hits. But they had such good chemistry throughout. And he was just... I, the things that I loved about him was how he encouraged her in her career and to be unapologetic for being as brilliant as she is because he complimented her a lot, said that she was really good. I loved that too. I loved when he would describe when she said something to the effect of his type and he said, I like a shark or something <laughs> yes. to that effect. Yes, because they and, already established that she yeah, was the shark. That she was the shark. And the things that he would kind of, when he would kind of tease her about that, he just was so encouraging and not threatened at all by her success, which I love that you have the successful woman who is driven, ambitious, and he is supportive of that. To the point where when he has to leave his job, he makes a recommendation for her to take his job. Is that not incredible? What was so phenomenal to me was that in the end when she gets it, because he has to stay to help his parents. When he finally does get back in the end, because of course there's a happily ever after, he is looking for another job. Yeah, It wasn't anything that was this major deal of, well, she now has my job. He felt no threat to that whatsoever. Right. Did some freelance stuff before he went back to the place that he was working at when they first met. Yeah. So I loved that about him. He's so selfless. He's He was he's... so selfless. He's just such a great example of a supportive partner. Well, let's, we're talking about him being selfless. Let's talk about his reasons for being back in Sunshine Falls. Let's do it. And his relationship with his dad. Yeah. I hated that Charlie felt like Shepard was getting all the attention of his father. And I loved that scene towards the end when she calls his dad out on the fact that he hasn't told Charlie that he's proud of him. And that he thinks he's a hard worker and appreciates him coming back to help while his dad is recovering. Mm -hmm. I felt so sad for Charlie that he felt like his dad didn't want him to be there. I did too. And 
I was a little confused because I had the impression that when he tells her my dad said he doesn't want me here, did his dad actually say he doesn't doesn't want him there? I get the feeling was, he was he didn't come right out and say it. He just kind of got that impression from his dad. That's how I interpreted it. Which was so it. heartbreaking because when you hear his dad, Clint, talk about how proud he is and that he just wanted him to shine. Mm-hmm. I loved that that's how his dad viewed him when he talks about how he would read a book a month and then yes. he realized his son had like surpassed him. That was so, so special. How did he word that? I think he said, my son outgrew me or something like, was it that? I can't remember the word. Anyway. That's pretty close, I think. But it was so wonderful how Clint felt about Charlie. And I also loved because Charlie says, I just wanted to be like him. And I'm nothing like him. Right. And I thought that that was really special that he admired him so much that he was willing to give up. These are two very selfless characters, by the way. Can we Both just of them, yes. talk about that for a second? Because on top of the chemistry that they have, Nora, years ago, gave up her dream to her be an dream editor. job to be an editor for her sister because she wanted to make sure her sister was taken care of. I just love that she took these two selfless characters and put them together and they both encourage each other. And it was just such, oh, it just gave They're me perfect. all the feels. They were the perfect, the perfect couple. couple. I was so in love with this book. So you brought up the fact that she gave up her dream to be an editor. Let's talk about the two secrets that the sister, we haven't talked about the sister dynamic. Let's Wait. talk about those, those secrets together. Let's do that. Okay, well, first of all, Libby and Nora have a phenomenal relationship. Yes. I loved their sister dynamic. I did too. I There was a little bit of tension there, which yeah. I felt as a reader. Yeah. But it wasn't overly angsty. You knew that Libby had some secrets that she was keeping, obviously. So I was surprised by Libby's secret with her being anemic. I figured it was a health issue, but I didn't realize it was going to be anemia. I was surprised by that. I don't know why I was surprised. I figured she had something going on, but I didn't think it was that. And I didn't think it was serious at all, which, I mean, I guess anemia could be. I mean, she collapsed, but I don't know. I don't really know what I thought. I don't know what I thought either. I did not, speaking of surprises, I did not see them moving to... I did, 100%. Did you? I, mm-hmm. I was more surprised by the fact that she had a health issue because when she had the health issue, I thought, huh, I thought they were going to move. Like, Interesting. I really did. I thought that. I never thought her and her husband were getting a divorce. No, I didn't think they were getting I did not think that at all. But I thought that they were moving because she was so stressed about trying to find a house. Gosh, I should have seen that foreshadowing. I'm bummed that I missed that. That was an obvious one. Well, they were like a one bathroom with five people. And she said early on, they can't find anything. And there's nothing. So when she makes that deal with Charlie that they will get his apartment, I thought... They're not going to take the apartment. They're going to move. Because it was very clear to me that Libby didn't want Nora fixing everything. I think she was very annoyed by that. Yes, I agree. That she wasn't being a sister to her. She was trying to be a mom to her. So I picked up on that pretty quickly. But yeah, I didn't I didn't catch her medical. I mean, I kind of, for a little bit, I was like, I think there is something going on. I assumed but- it was a medical condition with the bucket list. I wasn't thinking that the bucket list was all of the reasons why she should fall in love with this town that her sister's actually moving to. So in my mind, the whole time, I'm thinking she's got a medical condition that either 
these are things that she'll never be able to do. I don't know. I just obviously did not pick up on some obvious clues. Okay, well, here's one for you because I picked up on the moving, but I didn't connect the moving in the bucket list trying to sell (laughs) her over. And I thought to myself, well, that makes more sense because I just thought she was trying to have fun with her sister. Not that she was trying to sell her on the town. I just thought they were going to be moving regardless (laughs) because they needed a bigger house. So do you have a bucket list? Mm, Like one or two things? I have things that I want to do. Give me one. Mine are lame. Uh, Only to, I mean, you create your own list. I want to fly by myself. I've never traveled alone Ever. I've never taken a trip by myself ever, so I want to take a trip somewhere by myself, and I want to fly there. I've traveled it seems very from, weird for a but. former job. I traveled a lot for a living, and I traveled alone many times. You would love it. I think I would love it if it was to the right location. I couldn't go anywhere like major. Like I would probably need somebody to fly me to the beach because if I went to a big city, I'd be super stressed out <laughs> because I don't do well in those settings by myself. But if I was flying to a beach, then yeah, I could totally do that. <laughs> then you get to your so, destination and relax. Yeah, yeah, and read a book. So that's one of my bucket lists. And then I don't know. I think most of my stuff revolves around doing things by myself. Well, that's because you probably, because you don't get a lot of time by yourself you have two kids and yeah and I got married young and so I've always kind of had a partner to do stuff with I have bucket list goals that I want to do with my husband like that's fine that can be on a bucket list some fun like go camping somewhere super way out not like a campsite I don't know I don't know. Do you have a bucket list? You know I do. I'm a list maker. I loved it when... <laughs> the dumbest question I just said. I love it when Charlie, when she says, do you have a list? And he's like, what am I, an animal? <laughs> I related to him so much in that moment. Yes, I have a bucket list. Most of mine revolve mostly with travel. I have a huge traveling bucket list for sure. Next on my list would be Australia and New Zealand. I'd love to make it over there. We'll just leave it at travel. Okay. And I've done a lot of traveling already. You but have done still, so much traveling. There's so many places in the world I have yet to see. I'm envious. It's a big world. Yeah, it is a big world. I want to go back to Nora and Libby for a second because we're talking about their bucket list and why they're in Sunshine Falls. Let's do it. But I want to discuss the difference of how they each view their mom. Oh yeah. Because it's a very big defining character trait. It's what shapes Nora. Yes. It shapes her and who she is. Absolutely. She views her mom very much one way. Libby views their mom another way. So let's kind of talk about that. Let's dig into that. I made note of the reason why Nora is a workaholic, she explains that. And part of that is because of her relationship with her mother. She talks about how her mother paved this life for them and she wanted to honor that. And that is why she's worked so hard to fix Libby, to control everything, make sure that everything is working out perfectly. And I feel like Libby had a jaded view of her mother and the sacrifices that were made and the sacrifices that Nora has to make and has had had to make growing up after her mother passed away. When Libby is describing to Nora how she saw how it was through her perspective that she says you're not my dad. Mom treated you like you were her partner. Oh, yes. And it made me so sad for Nora because she really felt this responsibility for Libby that honestly, I don't know what the circumstances were because her mom was an actress, so I don't know how much she was around. I mean, maybe she had to take care of Libby and she feels that just natural older sibling responsibility. But anytime a parent puts on one child to be responsible for their siblings, again, depending on the circumstances. I just don't agree with that because I feel like it's very hard for that to turn off. Yeah, and it's a heavy burden for that sibling to bear, both of them actually. 
Yes, a very heavy burden. And it was very obvious that it filtered into adulthood and how Libby felt about Nora and that she never really took time for herself and that she was always wanting to fix it. I love it when she says, I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to say, that sucks. I want you to be a sister and say, I'm really sorry you're going through that. That sucks. And I feel like Nora needed to hear that. She's and I bet so it was very to. hard to hear mm -hmm. as someone who likes to have control over everything. I can absolutely attest to the fact that it probably stressed her out to have to sit on her hands and not try and fix things. Yeah, that was one of the areas when they were having that discussion that I absolutely could understand Libby and I felt bad for Nora because she didn't realize that she was that bad but I was also thinking how that that was where I very much differed from her character I could not stand that constant need for control that she felt like she had to have so when Libby I was really happy when Libby kind of explains to her what it was like through her perspective of their mom because then it helped me to understand Nora better I guess. Mm -hmm. And I not want to say, well, it gave her an excuse for the reason she was the way she was because there was points throughout the story where she was very controlling her, her thought process when she was thinking that Libby was getting a divorce and how she was going to fix that and little things she would think in her mind, well, I'm going to fix this. Whatever is this breach between me and my sister, there's something there. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to find out what it is. I'm going to fix it. It was kind of annoying me a little bit. Well, and... To play on that, even when she assumes, when she gets the, she makes the call for the divorce lawyer and she assumes that Libby's getting divorced, then she says to herself, now I have a solution. I have a problem I can actually fix. Mm -hmm. Now I have a direction to go. I was frustrated in that moment. I thought, you haven't even given Libby an opportunity to explain. To be fair, she's asked Libby multiple times what's wrong and Libby says nothing. But here Nora's still making assumptions and it's still a miscommunication or a lack of communication between the two. Yeah, they had a very interesting dynamic. And I I really hurt for Nora after Libby's explanation of how she... It really took her explaining their mom and how she viewed it for me to really understand Nora full picture, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. So... But once she did that, I thought to myself, okay, that makes a whole lot more it made sense so much the way that sense. you are, the way you are. And the fact that even through all of that, Charlie still loved her or was falling in love with her and did not think anything of that. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. she has saw that controlling personality and for sure <laughs> wanted to be all that. So the fact that he could kind of see through that. And I loved too, when he would just pull her into his chest, like yes. those descriptions. That after she has that big whatever moment with Libby, she goes to him mm -hmm. and she feels, I love that settled. Yes. I loved that so much. Let's shift into the story that they are editing, Frigid. First of all, I want to read the story. I wish I it was too. an actual story. I want to focus on the fact, the ending of Frigid. And even though we didn't read Frigid and we just get that little clip of how it ends, I felt emotionally connected to this story and her explanation as she moves forward and how it ends. There's not a happily ever after for this character in Frigid. So it brings up the conversation happily ever after versus an unwanted ending. And I loved the quote that, that Nora says in my favorite books, it's never quite the ending I want. There's always a price to be paid. And I connected with that line so much because so many of the books that I give and reserve those five stars for, they aren't always unsettled at the end, but many of them are, or maybe they didn't go in the direction I expected. And so I really connected 
with this portion of the story so much. And I want us to talk about happily ever after versus an unwanted ending. Okay. You're a happily ever after lover. I am a happily ever after lover. And I knew that this story was going to end happily ever after. But I was having some very tension-filled moments when she goes back to New York and he is not there. I told myself, if she does not bring these two people back (laughs) together, what was the point? So yeah, I'm a happily ever after. I can read other stories. You know this about me. I'll read pretty much any genre, but I'm going to read the last page. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you are ahead of time. No, we're breaking you of that habit. Okay. I enjoy a happily ever after for sure. But I feel like the books that stay with me for long after I finished them, the ones that hold in my memory are the ones that had some kind of ending that I wasn't expecting. And that's not to say it's not a happily ever after, but maybe the book went in a different direction or maybe the character ended up with someone I wasn't expecting, but I still loved in the end. Or maybe there is just this big unsettled feeling when I scroll to the end and it's nothing but white space and I just have to sit and cry in my feelings or sit and just marinate in the the emptiness and the hollowness that I feel those always get five star ratings for me I know so many books right off the top of my head that you are referring to I don't want to spoil I'm not going to but I was thinking yeah that book right there she gave a five star in that one Because I agreed with you. And you're right. Even though as much as I love Happily Ever After, you know the five stars, it's going to be the ones that leave you. I felt the way she said that was so perfect. And everything, again, just this entire book, there was so much. I love the title. Yes. I love the whole story because as a book lover, if you are a book lover, if you love to read, you cannot not connect with this story because there's so much that she points out that we as readers feel and think. So it was brilliantly done. And I loved that quote too. I read it again. Like I read it and then I had to read it again because I did a screen capture because I wanted to save it. It just explained perfectly how I feel. There were so many of those kinds of quotes. It just was a special moment and I connected on it. So at the end of the book, there is an author's note and you know, I like to read author's notes and Mm. she does an explanation a little behind the book and she talks about why she wrote this story from the perspective of Nora and her being the villain. I always appreciate author's notes. So if you haven't read that, go and check that out. But also included at the end of the book was some questions that she included for book lovers. And I I want us to close out this episode with one of the questions that she asks, and that is, what was the book that made you fall in love or fall in love again with reading? Well, I can tell you the book that made me fall in love with reading romance okay. as, as much as I do, and it being my preference over any other genre, and honestly, probably kickstarted a lot of when I became more of an avid reader, and that's Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers. It was so good. If you have not read it, it is I a, haven't read it. It's so good. It's I need such to check a good it out. book. And I love anything that Francine Rivers has written. She's one of my favorites. But that's the book for me. I mean, I remember I was 19 or 20 when I read it. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. I love that you were young when you read that Mm. and connected early on. Yeah. That's great. So what about you? So I have two that come to mind. One, I was young when I read it, and it was my first introduction to 
the romance genre, and it's Night Shining Armor by Jude Devereaux. It's a time-traveling book, which I love. And romance, for sure, it was the first time that I'd ever read a steamy scene, and and it wasn't spicy like they are now. But that is the first book where I just had to tell people to read it, and I actually recommended it to several people that I loved. And we swooned over the main character and the things. It's very dated. If you read it, there's a lot of dated technology in it. But it's a great love story at heart. That was way back when. When I came back into reading again, it was the Stephanie Plum series. Yeah, I've read some of those. That's humorous, and really that was what drove me to bump up my reading game in the last five years. That's awesome. I love how books can... You find one book, and it completely changes everything for you. And you become so addicted. You just have to have more and more and more. I love that so much. Okay, Amy, I think that wraps up Book Lovers and our discussion for today. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and want to continue the discussion with us. We would love to hear from you. What were your favorite parts of this story? Hit us up on Instagram at postbookdepressionpodcast or on Facebook in our Postbook Depression discussion group. Until next time, keep reading.